Welcome back to the Gospel Baptist Church podcast, where we focus on the Bible and God's plan for our lives. Though this day in history is filled with pain and confusion, the Bible offers the hope and instruction we all need. So let's dive into today's message and hear how God's Word has the answers for today. Good morning and welcome to Gospel Baptist Church broadcast from the home during uncertain times. Turn your Bibles, please, to John chapter 19. We're going through the Gospel of John and doing a series in the Gospel of John, and we're working towards the end of it. And this morning, I want to talk about a phrase used by Pontius Pilate. Although the language style of our beloved King James Bible is quite old, we still use it in Gospel Baptist Church, the Bible, the King James Bible, that is, because it is the most most accurate, accurate translation in the English language. However, with that accuracy, sometimes comes challenges. At times we come across words or phrases that we just don't understand anymore. And one of those phrases we're going to have in our discussion this morning. The issue is not with the Bible. The issue is with the English language because unfortunately over the last 100 years or so, our English language has experienced a lot of change. Some have often said that our English language has dumbed down and thus believers in 2021 struggle to understand their Bibles when we use the King James Bible and and there are certain words or phrases that don't seem to make sense anymore and one of those phrases is found in our text this morning. Our Lord again is standing before Pontius Pilate and in exasperation the governor of Judea finally asks Christ, what is art thou? Now what does that mean, whence art thou? Does it mean, how are you? What are you? Who are you? What did he mean? Literally, what art thou means, where are you? Or where, where are you from? If you were around back then, that would be a really, really good question to ask um, the Lord Jesus Christ, especially when you're watching his ministry and, and seeing what he's doing. So this morning... I want to ask that question, and I want us to consider that question, when art thou? I want us to consider the importance of that question that was asked by Pilate. Let's go to John chapter 19. We're going to read from verse 1 down to verse 9. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus, Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers planted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a, a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said unto him, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Then the Jews answered him, we have a law that by our law he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid and went again into the judgment hall and said unto the Jews, sorry, and said unto Jesus, whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I do pray you bless the broadcast this morning. I pray that we have no issues with it. I do pray you bless them. Those, Lord, who are sick, I think of Victoria, who's sick in hospital with COVID. I pray you put your healing hand upon her, Lord. You're a great God who knows how to heal. I thank you for those from our church who have been sick in hospital and you were able to heal them. I praise you. I pray for those who have COVID right now. Put your healing hand upon them. I pray they make a very 
quick and speedy recovery. I pray the symptoms will be light. And I pray we'll be able to get through this pandemic and be able to come through the other side. Trusting Christ, Lord. Help us trust you all the way through. Lord God, bless your people. I pray that we'll grow through these trials and tribulations. I pray there'll be no fear in our hearts, only joy. Help us, Lord, to make decisions based on what we hear this morning. Help us uh, rejoice based on what we know in Jesus' precious name. Amen. When's art thou? That's a very good question. Judas never questioned where Jesus was from. Let's go back to John chapter 18, please. John chapter 18 in our Bibles. Look at verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the book Now We're going backwards now. We, our, our text spoke about Jesus standing before Pilate. Now we're going back a day, okay? Earlier on that day. It's really the previous day because Jesus was standing before Pilate in the early hours of the morning. But anyway, um, verse 1, Jesus was going with his disciples over the book Kedron. Uh, where was a garden, this garden of Gethsemane, you think you know that, into which he entered with his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew that place, for Jesus oftentimes resorted thither with his disciples. Now, Jesus, Judas never questioned where Jesus was from, and he privately schemed to betray his master. In fact, to do so, he amassed a crowd to betray the Lord. Look at verse 3. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, come thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. And if you read other um, Gospels to do cross-reference, which you should when you're reading through the, the Bible, reading different chap- chapters, different cross-references to bring a fuller picture because Matthew has his perspective, Mark has his perspective, Luke has his eyewitness account, and John has his perspective. Put it all together, you get a fuller picture because they will bring out different uh, events of what's going on, different perspective of what's going on. It really fills in the picture really well. But we're told in the other Gospels there was a great crowd, a great multitude. And Judas was standing with those who opposed the Lord. Look at verse 5. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. Judas is standing with the enemies of our Lord. It's not that he switched sides, brethren. He never had chosen sides. He imitated a disciple of Christ. But he was always on the outside looking in. He was what some might call a fair whether Christian, one of his followers, as long as there was something in it for him. On the outside, he was a disciple, but on the inside, he was a counterfeit. John chapter 12, verse 6 calls him a thief. He held a money bag for the 12. Simply put, he used Jesus as a means to line his own pockets. John chapter 17, verse 12 calls him the son of perdition, a lost man. He was a wheat, uh, sorry, a tear among the wheat, a wolf among the sheep. Second Peter 2.17 would put it, he was a well without water, a cloud carried with a tempest, to whom is reserved, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. As Jude 13 would put it, he was a raging wave of the sea, foaming out his own shame, a wandering star, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. That was Judas. Wow. That was Judas. People thought he was a, a, a disciple. He was. He was one of the twelve. People thought that he was a faithful, committed follower of Jesus Christ. 
But he wasn't. He was always on the outside looking in. He was never really part of what was going on. He might have enjoyed the social gospel. He might have enjoyed the, the fact that they were doing good for others. He probably got that feel-good factor out of helping other people. There's a lot of people who are unbelievers who get a, a big feel-good factor out of helping other people. I'm glad for people like that, believe me. I just wish they'd turn their hearts to Jesus Christ and be saved. But here's Judas, who appeared to be a committed Christian, but all he was, he was in it for himself. He was following Jesus Christ for what he would get out of it. For his financial uh, gain, he was... He was following Christ for. Under questioning, Jesus answered Pilate, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. That's John 19, verse 11. Judas had the greater sin. He knew it. And you know what the thing is? He knew. I, it makes you wonder when he was going along with Jesus, did he know he was? He was living in pretense. Or did he just justify it? It makes you wonder, did, did he know he was fake, that he really wasn't one of them? Did he have those nagging doubts, or did he really think he was one of them? Maybe he thought they were like him, who knows? But after, after he had uh, condemned the Lord, he, he ended his own life hoping to, to, to end his torment. Little did he know his torment had only begun. He'd spent over three years with Jesus as a fully committed church member. But yet he'd never, commit, he'd never pondered that question, whence art thou? He never considered that Jesus came from heaven to be born in this earth. He never stopped to think that Jesus is God in the flesh, the eternal son. Who Jesus was really had no bearing upon the life of Judas. Judas. He was a user, only interested in people who brought benefit to him. Perhaps he was really just listening, or, or should I say, perhaps he was started really listening to Jesus when Jesus was coming down from, from Galilee, down into Jerusalem, when Jesus was saying he was going to go to the cross. Judas maybe was really starting to listen then. And then he thought to himself, it's time to jump ship. But before I do so, I'll take a few euros from the chief priests. To use an Irish phrase that gets the point across, Judas backed the wrong horse. I think he's spending all eternity regretting betraying Jesus Christ. I'd like to think that he is. Judas never questioned where Jesus was from. He never truly did anyway. Secondly, Caiaphas never questioned where Jesus was from. Look at John chapter 18. And we're looking at verse 14 in our Bibles here. John 18 verse 14. Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one should die for the people. Look at verse 19. It goes on to say that the high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple whither the Jews always resort. And the secrets have I said nothing. Why askest thou me? Ask them that heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I said. And when he had thus spoken, one of his officers, which stood by, struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest's son? Wow. Wow. Caiaphas. He was only interested in the death of Jesus. Jesus to him was a scapegoat. You know, it's interesting. 
we use that word scapegoat. Scapegoat is a biblical word. And it, it totally, actually fits Jesus. Because on, in the book of Leviticus, the scapegoat was under the law, the, the goat, they confessed their sins on the scapegoat, and, 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 and uh, there was two goats, and one goat would, would lose its life. And the other goat, the blame was put on that scapegoat. And the scapegoat points to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the blame of our sin was put on Jesus Christ. The blame of our shame was put on Jesus Christ. All our sins, all our faults, all our failures, all our lusts, all our covetousness, all our lies, all our deceit, all our fakeness, all our pride, all our immorality, all the sins we've ever committed, all our fears, all our, all, all our, all our hardness of heart, it was all placed on Jesus Christ. He became the scapegoat. Caiaphas prophesied of that being the high priest. Verse 14. Caiaphas he, was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. The only thing that Caiaphas was interested in was in the death of Jesus. Not because he wanted Jesus to be <clears throat> the redeemer of Israel. He was only interested in his position. Look at verse 15. Now Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus unto the palace of the high priest. The high priest had a palace. He had a great situation. He had authority with Rome. The situation among the Jews was fragile, and he didn't want any upsets. By the way, if you read through history, you'll realize that the Jews never had a good relationship with the Romans. They hated being under occupation. They always fought against it. And the high priest didn't want any more upsets. He wanted to silence Jesus and his teaching just in case it did anything to, to compromise the favour that Caiaphas and his nation enjoyed with Rome. Therefore Caiaphas was not looking for the truth, he was looking for a conviction. Look at verse 19. The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples <clears throat> and his doctrine. You know, that's why he arrested Jesus without charges. I mean, they went and arrested Jesus. Are you, are you, are you Jesus of Nazareth? Come with me. And they took him away. There was no charges against him. That's why they made a show of force to arrest him, to make him look like he was some evil doer. You just take a great big crowd, all these soldiers. Oh boy, he has to be evil. He has to be a great sinner. He has to be a great transgressor. Bring a great show of force and then everybody will realize that, and everybody will think that he's a criminal. That's why Jesus did not entertain his tactics. Our Lord would not be intimidated by a bully. Look at verse 21. Jesus said, Why ask thou me? Ask them that which heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I have said. Jesus wasn't going to go down this road of what he said and what he believed. And what he... Jesus was public with his ministry. And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by, excuse me, struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest Bullying, intimidation, because he didn't get the answer he wanted. Perhaps Caiaphas had heard of the words and works of Jesus. I mean, how could he not? I mean, he's the high priest of Israel. How could he not know what was going on in his realm? The blind received their sight. The lame walked. I mean, where are you going to hear that? I mean, we've never heard such things since. We've heard of things supposedly happening. But when pandemics come like this, I don't hear anything. All of a sudden the miracles disappear, don't they? 
The blind received their sight, the lame walked, the lepers were cleansed, the deaf heard, the, the dead were raised up. This happened during the time of Jesus. And it was real. And it happened with their, his disciples. It was real. And everybody was talking about it. It was in all the, all the towns were, were, it was being spread. The newspapers were printing it, so to speak. You know, it was common knowledge. How could, how could Caiaphas not know about these things? The dead were raised up and the poor clearly heard the gospel according to Matthew chapter 11. Pilate, Caiaphas knew of the prophecies but he didn't care. He knew the promise of God but he didn't want it. He led the chorus of the chief priests. Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! We have no king. But Caesar listened to his words. He didn't want a messiah. We have no king. We don't want a king. We don't have a messiah. We renounce the messiah. We renounce any rights to a messiah. We don't want a messiah. That was, that was Caiaphas. With all the theological training, with all the knowledge of scripture that he had, he never properly once pondered the question regarding our Lord. When art thou? Where are you from? If Pilate had stopped to think, Pilate, if Caiaphas had stopped to think where Jesus was from, I think he is, I think he would have made very different decisions. Caiaphas was earthly minded, not heavenly minded. Where Christ was from sadly meant nothing to him. You know, and it makes me think that we can sometimes do that ourselves. We can be so earthly minded that we don't think about Jesus Christ. And the value of having Christ in our lives. We don't think about where he's from. We don't, we, we don't, we don't think of, of our relationship. You know, we can either be like Judas, where we're wanting what, what, what we can get out of Christianity, or we can be like Caiaphas, like, I, 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 just, I just want to be earthly-minded. And you know, there's no Christianity in that. Because Christianity is about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And Christianity is about a walk with God. It's about enjoying a walk with God. It's real. Christianity brings forth fruit of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith in the midst of, 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 of all sorts of turmoil that's going on in the world. Christianity is, is a living faith that goes on in the, lie, in, in, in the hearts of Christians. Caiaphas didn't want anything to do with that. Judas and Caiaphas never questioned where Jesus was from. So they never dealt with those issues at all. It was very stale to them. It was very distant to them. But Pilate did. And we're going to spend some time talking about that this morning. Pilate did question where Jesus was from. Look at verse 29. We're looking at verse 29. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would, have, we would not have delivered him in unto thee. Then said Pilate unto, him, unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake signifying that death he should die. Then Pilate entered the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, saying, Sayest this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee, it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and thy chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered and said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered unto the Jews, unto the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, 
Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, for, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. This was the last interaction Pilate had with Jesus, pretty much before he went to the cross. I mean, there's a few more exchanges, but this was almost it. And Pilate was made to think. You see, when the Jews had no legal case against Jesus, it made Pilate think. Look at verse 29 again. Pilate said unto them, what, what accusation do you bring against him? Verse 30, they said, if he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. And, and the Jews basically said, if, if he wasn't a criminal, we wouldn't have brought him to you. That's not a, that's not a charge. I mean, he sh they should have had a list of charges. He's broken this law. He's broken this statute. He's done this and this and this. And he's committed all these crimes. Therefore, he's worthy of death. But they didn't do that. All they said was, if he wasn't bad, we wouldn't have brought him to you. That's not a, that's not a charge. And it made Pilate think. When the Jews could not use their own law, it made Pilate think. Look at verse 31. It says here, Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your own law. Your law. And the, the Jews basically said, It's not lawful for us to put him to death. You know, I don't believe that. The blasphemy law required death by stoning. Leviticus 24 verse 16. And he that blasphemeth the name of the Lord, he shall surely be put to death. And all the congregation shall certainly stone him, as well as a stranger, as he that is born in the land, when he blasphemeth the name of the Lord, shall be put to death. There were blasphemy laws in place. That if the Lord's name was taken in vain, if the Lord's name was blasphemed, if the Lord's name was dragged through the mud, so to speak, that they were allowed to, to stone the, the, the perpetrator of that crime. They were, that was found in Leviticus chapter 24. We just read the verse. Those, those laws were in place. The Jews were ready to use those laws against a woman caught in adultery, do you remember? They were ready to stone her. You know, they had no issue with stoning Stephen. Do you remember? Like the first, the day after Christmas, we celebrate as in Stephen's day. And, and we remember the, the, the first Christian martyr where Stephen was stoned to death. They had no issue using that blasphemy law there. They could use that law. Several times they tried to stone Jesus. But they found themselves unable. John 8, 59. Then they took up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. John 10, 31. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. John 10, 39. Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. They wanted to stone him, but they couldn't. They couldn't stone him. They had no power to stone him. They find themselves unable. Why? Well, first of all, you could say he was God. Second of all, you could say his time had not yet come. But third of all, I'll tell you why they couldn't stone him. Because it was against the prophecies. The Lord's word has prophesied that he would be wounded for our transgressions. The Lord's word in, John, in Psalm 22 describes how he, uh, the crucifixion, it basically it describes the crucifixion really really well and this describes how, how, how the suffering on a cross Zechariah chapter 12 10 tells us that Jehovah was pierced so the Bible tells us that that Jesus had to be crucified that the Messiah had to be crucified and that was to fulfill prophecies and the reason is that his blood had to be spilled and shed for our sins if they stoned him to death his blood would have been spilled not in the same way whatsoever 
but crucified, he lost a lot of blood and he shed his precious blood on the cross for all of our sins. He had to be crucified. They just needed someone like Pilate to do their dirty work. But the Lord had too much support from the people. Mark 14 verse 1 and 2, after two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people, or an uproar of the people. Brethren, the people had a precious relationship with Jesus. The common people were helped by Jesus. And they loved him. You know, that's what Christianity is all about. For Caiaphas, any faith he had was all about power for him. For Judas, his relationship with God was based on anything that went into his pocket. How he, he gained, he just had to financially gain. But that's not who Christ is. Our God is a relational God. Our God cares for us. You know when people care for you. And people know when you care for them. And Jesus came to earth to love people. Jesus came to earth to care for people. Jesus came to earth to, to demonstrate concern and compassion. When people were sick, he was there. They knew he cared. When, 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 they, when they needed help, he was there. He did whatever he could to help. Because that's who he is. That's who he was. So because of his love and his kindness that he showed to mankind, many carefully considered where he had come from. And they reckoned him to be their Messiah. The common people loved him. The one who came from heaven. Only a few days beforehand, the multitudes that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They were ready to crown him. Those who entered into Jerusalem were so excited that Jesus had come. But the religious leaders were having none of it. They condemned him. And they hated him. And here are the religious leaders looking for someone to do their dirty work. Pilate, you're the man. Mark chapter 15 verse 10. For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. So when the Jews had, couldn't make a legal case against Jesus... It made Pilate think when, when the Jews could not use their own law against him. It made Pilate think when his wife had a dream. It made Pilate think. Matthew 27 verse 19. Again, the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, read, read the Gospels together to get a fuller picture. Matthew 27 19. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him saying, Have thou nothing to do with this just man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. Her voice was loud. But I want to tell you something this morning. The voice of the Jews was louder. Matthew 27, 20. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. Thus Pilate was caught between his conscience and the rising tensions in his district. He was stuck between a rock and a hard place. When the Jews had no legal case, it made Pilate think. When they could not use their own law, it made Pilate think. When his wife had a dream, it made Pilate think. But here's the fourth thing that made Pilate think. When Jesus did not plead for his life, it made Pilate think. Look at verse 33. When Pilate entered the judgment hall again, sorry, then Pilate entered the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, saying, Sayest this of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Then, O nation, and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. 
What hast thou done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. And we're going to look at this in a few minutes. But the first question Pilate asked is, are you a king? He really wanted to know why the Jews hated him so much. Their own nation, verse 35. And the chief priests have delivered the unto me. What is it? What is it? Why do they hate you so much? So Jesus answered him, but his answer seemed cryptic. Let's look at verse 36 again here. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. So the first thing is, he admitted that he was a king. Jesus is a king. He is the king of all kings. And so he's going to uh, give a cryptic answer. I mean, it's clear, but, 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 it, but it's, it's, it's like almost cryptic. And so Pilate has to put the pieces together. But, and we're going to talk about this as we go along. He admitted that he was a king. He also admitted he had servants. Look at verse 36. And if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. So he was a king with servants. He also admitted that the Jews rejected him. It says here, then would my servants fight, then should I not be delivered to the Jews. But he also delivered, I'm sorry, but he also admitted that he was still their king. But now is my kingdom not of this, is not, is not from hence. So Jesus is now starting to express who he was to Pilate. He admitted that he came from another world into this world. Verse, 30, verse 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. For this cause came I into this world. And this is all getting cryptic for Pilate. He's trying to understand, who are you? I mean, that's the question he's, he's going to ask. Whence art thou? Whence art thou? Who are you? Where are you from? Where are you from? And Jesus is starting to answer this question. And the answer is found in verse 37. To this cause was I born to this, uh, was I born for this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness into, unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. And that's the key. Brethren, that's the key, is wanting the truth. Sometimes you see some people and they are some of the nicest people you ever see in your life. And you think, they just need to get saved. Why won't they get saved? And the answer is, they don't want the truth. Sometimes this truth can be scary for people. For, for, for Caiaphas, he didn't care about the truth. For Judas, he, 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 he was too covetous to want the truth. But for, for Pilate, the truth scared him. So Pilate was wicked. But the truth scared him. Sometimes people are afraid of the truth, but that's the very thing that they need because that's the thing that's going to set them free. Pilate needed the truth. So after much consideration, Pilate tried again to free Jesus because I mean his eyes are getting open and it was scaring him half to death. It just was. Verse 38 of John 18. <clears throat> then Pilate said unto him, What is truth? Yeah, nice cop out, but I think he knew. And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find no fault in him at all. But ye have a custom that I should release him unto you, that I re unto you at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? I think he knew who Jesus was, the king of the Jews. He's trying to grasp all this. This is scaring him though, okay? Pilate, in verse, chapter 19, verse 4, Pilate therefore went again 
and said unto, the, unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. And finally, with his back against the wall, Pilate crucified Jesus in protest. John 19, verse 6, Pilate said unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find in him no fault at all. And Pilate is saying, I know this man is innocent. I know this man is not guilty. Take him away and crucify him. And the thought was scaring him half to death. And the question that was troubling the most, I believe, brethren, was, where art thou? Where are you from? I think the question that troubled him so much was, where are you from? And the reason is this, because if Jesus was from where he said he was from, Pilate was in trouble. Now we know where Jesus is from, because we read the end of the Gospels. And, and in Mark's Gospel, at the end of Mark's Gospel, it says, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat down on the right hand of God. That's where he came from. Before Jesus ever came into this world, he came from the throne of God. Before Jesus ever entered into this world, he was sitting on the right hand of God and he left the right hand of God. He came down to earth. He had 33 years of earth. He got his hands very, very dirty. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again and he went straight back to the right hand of God again. Where he began. Where he belongs. I wonder if Judas had truly questioned where Jesus was from. Would he have betrayed him? It's hard to believe that Judas would have regarded a few euros as worth more than his eternal soul. Yet he condemned his miserable soul on the altar of covetousness. He refused to believe Jesus when he said, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? Oh, I just get so con- I get so concerned for professing Christians who say, "Oh well, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm a believer." Their words say one thing, but their works say another. Their words say, "I am a follower. I'm with the twelve, but their actions say, "I love the world, and I'm seeking after what I can find, the profit I can find in this world." The Bible says no man can serve two masters. Be very, very careful, dear brother, dear sister. Be very, very careful. Don't follow after the sins of Judas. Do not allow yourself to get caught up with covetousness. Do not allow the things of this world become so valuable to you that you forget that he that sits upon the throne is watching from heaven and is watching what you're doing and he's going to hold you into account someday. Be very careful you don't fall into the sins of Judas. Such that you say in your heart, oh, I'm a Christian, but you find that you're not. At the end of the day, you find you're really on the outside looking in. You really never did put your faith in Jesus Christ. You really never did give Jesus Christ your life. And your whole life betrays you're not a Christian. Your works betray you're not a Christian. You don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't, you, don't have, you don't get in your Bible every day. You don't pray every day. You don't have a, a living relationship with Jesus Christ because you don't have him. Be careful you don't fall into the sin of Judas and find that you're cast away from the presence of God for all eternity because you thought you were a believer but you really weren't. 
Instead, you were, what you were doing was seeking the profit of this world. No man can serve two masters. Make sure you choose the right master. I wonder if Caiaphas had truly questioned where Jesus was from, would he have condemned him to death? He didn't want to know, did he? Pilate was hard. Oh, avoid the sin of Caiaphas. A hard heart. Sometimes we can develop a hard heart. Oh, be careful of a hard heart. A hard heart will destroy every shred of Christianity within you. Allow, do not allow a hard heart to get a hold of you. If you find yourself hardening, repent and ask Jesus to forgive you. But Pilate, Pilate did question where Jesus was from. And when he received an answer, that, made, that may answer made him very, very uncomfortable. He also realized his political career was on the balance, hanging in the balance. What would become of him if he fell out of favor with Caesar? So he made a decision that, that, that he would live to regret for all eternity. He made a decision knowing that it was entirely possible. He was sentencing the king of creation to, to death. Why? Because he chose not to resolve in his mind where Jesus was from. Oh brethren, show me a Christian who's committed from his heart to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'll show you, and, and you're showing me a person who has resolved that question, where are you from? Show me someone who has dedicated their life to following Jesus Christ. That's someone who decided in their question, I fa- that, that's someone who, dis- who has answered the question, where is Jesus from? You show me someone who's vacillating, who's struggling. That person has not yet resolved in their mind, where is Jesus from? Because where Jesus from is the question that answers everything. It answers everything. If Jesus is in heaven, he's in control of everything. He's in control of the pandemic. He's in control of climate change, if there is any. He's in control of of everything that's going on in the whole world. He's in control of our finances. He's in control of our health. He's in control of our family. He's in control of everything. And if he's in heaven, we can trust him. We can trust him with our life. We can trust him with our finances. We can trust him with the decisions we make. You know, those who know Jesus is on the right hand of the throne of God, who are focusing on on him being on the right hand of God, who set their affections on things above and not on things on the earth, those are the ones with the joy and the peace and the love and the hope. Those are the followers of Jesus because they know where he is. And so, brethren, I just want to encourage you this morning. Come to a solid conviction right now where Jesus is. Come to a solid conviction that he is on the right hand of the throne of God right now. On his eternal throne because it changes everything. It changes what you live for. It changes the decisions you make. And and it encourages you not to live for the here and now. It encourages you to live for the hereafter. You don't have to convince People who know where Christ is right now to live the Christian life. You know, it's a shame that we ever have to try and convince people to live the Christian life. It's because they're not realizing where Christ is. They have not they haven't resolved that question, when's art thou? When's art thou? It's a life-changing question. It's a game changer. When's art thou? I'll tell you where Jesus Christ is. For all eternity, he's on the throne of heaven. And he'll leave the throne to come down to earth. Praise God, look forward to that. 
But resolve that in your heart. Where in art thou? It'll help you get your priorities straight. It'll help you get your house in order. There is only one king. There's only one throne. And all impostors need to be dethroned. Let the one who's seated on the throne be the one that's seated on the throne of your heart. Let him have his proper place. Whence art thou? In heaven. Let's rededicate our lives to the one who's seated in heaven. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. And I pray you just bless your word and you've used it in the lives of your people. Oh God in heaven, help us to resolve in our minds whence art thou. Help us get that answer. Lord, some people have to answer that question under duress, like Pilate did. Lord, some people made the right decision, some didn't. Joseph of Arimathea made the right decision. Pilate didn't. Judas didn't. Caiaphas didn't. Lord, help us make that right decision. Help us resolve in our hearts where you are right now. And help us live in the reality you're on the right hand of the throne of God. Lord, help us to honour the, the, the great God of heaven. Lord, I pray that we will live to please you, to praise you, to enjoy you, because you are truly on the right hand of God, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message on the Gospel Baptist Church podcast. To view this and similar messages as a video, or for more information about Gospel Baptist Church, head over to lukeandchurch.com. That's lukeandchurch.com. Thank you again, and God bless.